Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome to, hey, my gosh, had that happen? It's the first day of fourth quarter. Yes, happy fourth quarter. Happy expired Palooza. So two thoughts. Yes, mm-hmm. expired Palooza. If you guys aren't working expired listings, I don't know what to tell you at this point. If you if you look, okay. So for those of you who are just listening to us for the first time, I'm going to give you some urgent action items. Go back and listen to our past podcasts. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher. We're on Audible. We're everywhere. Um, this is the number one listen to daily podcast and just search the word expired listings and then you'll find our scripts and other suggestions. But one of the best times, if not frankly, the best time to be going after expired listings is this time of year. Now, I also want to remind you um, that this time of year, effectively October 1st is you should be thinking about it as the start of your physical year. In other words, this is the start of your 2021 if you want to have momentum going into the year. The idea that, you know, I know not all of you say this, but a lot of you do this. You coast in fourth quarter and then you wonder why it's so hard the start of the following year. It's the exact reason I'm sta- uh, telling you now. Every top producer, every all the most successful people in life, by the way, not just real estate people, they always treat the fourth quarter as the start of their new year. So whatever you are planning on doing, Doing the start of next year, have implemented and, and have an action uh, in the next three months. And that's really and the number one job all of you should be focusing on is learning how to be powerful listing agents. And in our opinion, expired listings obviously are one of the probably two or three first sources of listing leads you should be focusing on. And the other reason that you should be definitely focusing on uh, this time of year is it gives you a wonderful opportunity to be circling back and showing gratitude, showing gratitude to all your centers of influence and past clients, doing it in a very overt way. Get started on your holiday cards, find out maybe, um, again, we've done lots of podcasts about this and we have lots of detailed plans for our coaching clients. But maybe consider doing some kind of holiday get together for the agents that have, or the, the you know, the clients, buyers, sellers, whomever that's tried to send you a referral. All these times of, all these things that you do this time of year are going to pay dividends like you cannot imagine um, the start of next year, Julie. Yes. And in fact, I've seen several of our great coaching clients starting something on their social media, on their outreach called Thankful Thursdays. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Because, you know, Thanksgiving falls on a Thursday, but why do we only spend one day a year being overtly thankful? So they're starting that and they're, they're just, you know, sharing a story of how grateful they are to somebody or maybe doing some extra phone calls that day. But actually calling it Thankful Thursdays. So I think that's a really great thing to do. I shouldn't say this probably, but I am thankful, honestly, that, and I'm no, <laughs> again, I should Thursday say too. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, so that's right. So uh, I'm thankful that 2020 is uh, almost over because <laughs> yeah, right. uh, frankly, I'm used to, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. But remember, we're going to ask for terms of service and FAQs out of 2021 that's right. just to be safe. I promise you when they send me that new software to update <laughs> saying your 2021 uh, o- operating yeah, system has arrived click i agree i'm reading that i'm not just going to click it and just download the new software because i'm not sure i want another year like we experienced this year (laughs) about all of you but to your point you know remember listeners that we we basically skipped a quarter march april may when the first shutdown started and 
I remember because, you know, I get the updates from different markets of new listings. And I remember looking at the Texas market in Austin. And for like 60 days, new listings for that day was like three yeah. or five. And it, it was really very, very, very quiet. And then when things started to come back a little bit, I remember the first day that I saw 90 new listings. That was like when they were, okay, we can sell real estate again. And so my point in this is that we've shifted our quarters already so that the momentum is still there. You it's know? in the marketplace. It There's demand. There. But the question is, is whether you're going to be in the marketplace to fulfill the demand. To participate in it. Exactly. And that's really what we're in. You know, this year, more than all the you know decades that Julie and I have been in the business, we always to have told coaching clients to drill down in fourth quarter, but this year more than ever, because for many of you, your summer months are essentially just getting started in, in terms of meeting buyer demand and seller demand for that matter. And we are incredibly optimistic about, um, even with the advent, and by the way, we're, today we're talking about types of fear, and today is going to be on the skeptic, which mm -hmm. Julie actually just wrote. I was reading these notes. They're quite brilliant. I'm not surprised, I have to say. Oh, Very good you. job, lady. Nice of you. Um, but as far as like all the things that everyone's talking about and trying to get you to be fearful of, and I'm talking about the Zillow, Open Door, all these blah, 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 blah changes. We really drilled down on those topics. We did, I think, five, four or five podcasts on that. You want to go back and listen to all those. Um, I'll just bottom line it for you. I have never been more optimistic and more excited to be in the real estate industry than I am personally now. Julie? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, I'm coming freshly from my premier coaching calls and right. my elite coaching calls and everything. And so I just had a little tiny coaching thing that could make a lot of impact for people who are struggling working the buyer sides, having to compete. The quintessential question is, for the love of God, what else can I put into the contract so that we win? Right? That's that's the right. No, that is not for. that is not a script. No. Okay, this is what she, the point well, she's making is she's trying to do a little drama just so you guys are writing down notes that you're not going to say exactly. that in some parts of the country if you saw that it would be you'd be seen right. as a, exactly. you'd be seen as a blasphemy. Exactly. So so what else can you do to sweeten it? And typically agents will say, you know what, we're already either at full list or we're going over. Maybe we have an escalation clause. We've got a really killer uh, lender letter which we've talked about before. Yep. So what else? So I'll tell you the trend that I see that is winning. And this is, I hear stories from our coaching clients that have great victory dances on the on the call every day. Okay, you're going to do uh, two things. One is let the seller choose the closing and possession date yep. within reason. Okay, you're not going to wait a year for it, but, you know, up until this date. So let the seller have that control. And secondly, and I love this, have your lender, the buyer's lender. Okay, so you're on the buyer's side. Have the buyer's lender call the listing agent and actually say to them, yes, we have actually done real underwriting. We're only waiting for them to select the right house. This buyer is real. I've put them through the ringer. You have my lender letter. Here's my contact information. This buyer is real. And I think that's a brilliant way to make your point when you're competing. And I've even seen some of our coaching clients where maybe the buyer wasn't that comfortable going way over list price, but they won because their loan is real. It's legit. The lender calls. And, you know, lenders like doing this because they want more realtor business. So it's not that hard to talk them into. That's right. All right. So, um, look, bottom line, guys, don't scale down this time of year. Uh, turn up the turn up the heat. Be more focused than you uh, than you normally are. Maybe be more focused than you've ever been. If this year has felt like a bunch of, you know, 
basically false starts to you. And yes, I realize that a vast majority of you have absolutely done fantastic in the last 90 to 120 days. But some of you guys have had a bunch of false starts. And I get it. I mean, it, this has been an, a ridiculously challenging year emotionally and just across the board. Like I said, we are definitely not just going to automatically say, uh, hit the I agree for the 2021 uh, you know, terms of service that comes around. But with that said, is if you feel like you've had a bunch of false starts, be okay knowing that that's, you know, it's for the most part been completely out of your control. But what's going to happen in fourth quarter going into next year is in your control. And so some of you are saying, okay, Tim, I get it. I totally, I'm vibing. What do I do? Well, we've made it easy for you. Just we, Julie and I created, and this is, you know, we, I don't even know when we wrote it. When did we write the 90 day massive action plan? Well, we've done some revisions as things have changed a little bit, but it's, I mean, it's been around a long time. Yeah, a long time. The original uh, Harris Rules book, the treasure map, right. certainly on the website. Our coaching clients use it. They share it on the private so Facebook page. We want to give it yeah. to you. So the 90-day massive action plan is going to tell you exactly what you should be doing for the next 90 days every single day. And it's not a huge list of things. There's not a lot of thinking about. There's not a lot of mindset. It's action items, thus the name. And it doesn't cost you anything. And it's free. That's right. So we're going to give it to you. All you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link. And guess what? You can join a free our free coaching program. Now, we started this coaching program at the start of the pandemic. We had between, I don't even know the number now. Last time I asked, it was 7,000 of you join. Um, I suspect it's closer to 10,000 now. Well, it's, you know, why? Because agents need direction. Agents need to be told what to do. Agents need, and all of us need to know that basically if we follow these, you know, one through 10 steps, that we're going to know what the result's going to be. Following instructions and following directions and all that thing does not come naturally to any of us as real estate people, myself included. But the reality of it is, is when you do follow up a pre-created plan, you are going to ensure your success at a higher level. And that's the 90-day massive action plan is. So text the word survival to 31996. We'll text you back a link to join the free coaching program. You have to click the link in the email or in the text and then join the free coaching program. When you log in, I want you, you know, it's a very simple process. When you log in, then you're going to see not only the real estate treasure map, but a whole bunch, or I'm sorry, not only you're going to see the 90 day massive action plan, but you're also going to see the real estate treasure map. I think it's like six or seven or eight other books. You're going to see the ultimate agent survival guide. We're giving all of this to you. Uh, so you have to take action on it by simply texting the word survival to 31996. And it also includes a daily semi-private coaching call. So we're not just giving you a website to log in and some stuff to download. We're giving you access to attend a daily semi-private coaching call. And all of this is for the um, remarkably low price of free. <laughs> so text the word survival to 31996. Do that urgently. And again, go right to the 90-day massive action plan. And that is exactly what you should be doing in fourth quarter to make it so that you start start out next year with already pre-built momentum and you're not having to recreate everything um, and which is going to be most likely we're going to be in a completely different market next year or, you know completely different a lot of things um, but look that's not for today's show in the meantime go ahead and text the word survival to 31996 okay Julie we're talking about types of fear and the next point you wrote down was the skeptic Yes, the skeptic struggles with fear of conflict, rejection, or hardship, both real and perceived. Sometimes this is because of specific incidents in their past. Sometimes it's due to stories they've heard from other people that just freak them out. The skeptic assumes that something won't work versus taking the steps to ensure success. 
the skeptic can be a bit of a victim if they stay stuck too long in this fear zone. So, you know, in real estate, that crops up pretty much everywhere. And I, I wanted to make the specific point too. Yes, sometimes you guys have something weird happen to you and it stays with you a little bit too long. And I see this even with grizzled veterans where they go through like batches of tough deals and they convince themselves that, oh, you know, real estate's gotten so hard and it's not gonna work for me and I need to take a break, I need to get out, whatever. And I see it with the newbies because somebody told them once that maybe for sale by owners are really difficult. So they're believing somebody else's story. But in either case, you are hanging on to a belief that's causing fear for you. Does that make sense? Yep. There's a famous quote by one of the most genius business philosophers of all time um, that they're probably going to end up basically carving uh, his face on Mount Rushmore. Um, that business philosopher, do you know who said this? I've never met a rich skeptic. No. I did. I, I knew you were going there. Yeah. <laughs> Just a joke. <laughs> but well, yes, but that's true. I've never but met a rich skeptic. I, but I haven't. I've never met a rich skeptic. Now, I'll tell you, there is an old, unless you're, of course, like an old school, like movie reviewer. Those mm -hmm. people were always kind of skeptics. Well, you know, they got paid for it. That was their job, though. Right. But I've never met a rich skeptic because what a skeptic is always doing, essentially, is looking for a reason not to take action. So a heightened level of skepticism is ultimately just basically an out-of-control ego. Now, that's a little of an, an obtuse statement and comment, but it is also true. Because what is the skeptic trying to do? They're trying to basically save themselves from having to make any sort of decision, right or wrong, by just simply looking for reasons why the idea won't work. By the way, there has never been an idea. The best idea, can you imagine, Julie, back in the day? Mm -hmm. So I'm Steve Jobs. Imagine me in a, you know, a black turtleneck, right. which wouldn't mm -hmm. work here in Puerto Rico. No. Okay. So I'm walking into the board of directors and I, or whoever, I, I wonder if Steve, yeah, he had to pitch his ideas to board of directors. Sure. He had, so he said, I got this idea for this little device mm -hmm. that we're going to put a lot of music on. Yeah. And here's what it looks like. Can you right. imagine all the initial responses people must have had? Well, I know, especially back in the day and age we're old enough to remember that when you had your, your giant Walkman that you were That's used right. to putting your CDs in and that was radical at the time. And here he comes out and says, we don't have to do that anymore. In fact, there's only going to be one button on it. Okay, now stay with me. Mm -hmm. So that was an iPod, which many of these guys don't even remember. I have no idea. An iPod. Okay, we have all of our old iPods. We should make some <laughs> modern art of them. We do. <laughs> I never threw them out. All right, no. now with that Good said. Good paperweights. Now, so, now, here, stay with me. Yeah. So Steve, he sold this idea of the iPod to the board of directors. Mm -hmm. They're all going, oh, my God, this thing is stupid. It's crazy. Skeptic, skeptic. And then finally, they all agree to do it. And it turns out to be an absolute cash cow for Apple. And then a few years later, he walks in. And he says, I've got a better idea. We need to stop selling the iPod and we need to start selling something called the iPhone. Can you imagine all the skeptics? And yet, what do you see constantly? You see, ultimately, people initially push back because they're fearful of change. And then when the new idea starts to take hold, then you're starting to see the world shift. That same exact thing is happening with eXp Realty. eXp Realty uh, and even Zillow and even Opendoor and some Amazon and Netflix. People always talk about all these sort of next generation ideas. When these ideas come out, people's initial response, at least skeptics' initial response, is that'll never work. I mean, who the hell is going to want? Okay, I'll get it. I'll buy books online. But, I mean, how many books can one person buy? Thus, Amazon, right? right? And then now, suddenly, Amazon, you know, Bezos kind of politely, quietly said, well, we're going to sell everything online. Yeah, whatever, dude. You know, keep selling your books there. You yeah. know, keep running your book club. And then what happens is it takes off and it goes to the next idea. So every original genius idea always meets a mountain of skepticism. But then the ones that are early movers and move past it realize that there's some genius in it, even if they don't understand all of it, those are the ones that ultimately win. And that is what's happening right now, as I said before, with eXp Realty. 
absolutely pay attention to eXp Realty. In our opinion, it's going to be the greatest real estate brokerage in the history of real estate brokerages. Don't believe me, based on the number of agents that are joining. Last month alone, there were 3,000 agents that joined eXp Realty. 3,000 agents from five different countries joined eXp Realty. It's extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to be honest, in the beginning, I was a bit of a skeptic as well because, you know, it's completely different. It is About EXP? the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely. I mean, there were a lot of things that was like, Really? That's really how it's set up? I don't know. I'll you think got, about that later, you know? Well, but it is fascinating how many things sure. you have to move past. And the thing for us, when before we got aligned with the XP, we had all sorts of apprehensions. We talked to people that we've known, loved, and trust that are involved with the XP. And we still didn't, you know, we were still skeptics, you know, and we were silly about it. Fr- frankly, we waited too long. No, but we were the, a little lazy about it. Well, the greatest time. We stayed ti- skeptical too long. Right. Well, the greatest time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. And then, right. you know, just as good a time now is now. Right. But so what convinced us ultimately it was when we went to, when we started connecting with more EXP agents other than, you know, just our handful of friends. And we started seeing that it was actually real. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So Julie, next point. Yes. Okay. So that leads to the four questions technique. Now you're going to hear this and you've, you've heard these four question techniques bouncing around and being attributed to different people. So I looked it up. Byron Katie, uh, who's basically kind Speak of a, the mic, a, a philosopher type, <laughs> you know, that developed this. That's probably nobody's ever heard of this person, but I like to give. So she literally, I'm looking at her yeah. computer screen. She like literally that. wanted to Google and she Googled where the four questions technique yeah. came from. And it from. Came, came from an author called Byron Katie. Here's a quick quote. I quote, I discovered that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. But when I didn't believe them, I didn't suffer. And that this is true for every human being. Freedom is as simple as that. I think that's really powerful. And I've used this stuff in various places too. So the four questions technique, okay? So we're just uh, talking about being a skeptic and what do you believe and what's it based on? So I want you guys to write down these four questions. Hold on. I'm reading your questions. I know what motivated you for this, inspired you in addition to that person. This is from Deepak Chopra. Yeah, well, Deepak got it from her. Oh, that's hilarious. Because I thought it was Deepak also. And then you found that. Yes. So Deepak was re- referring to her. I believe that's true. Ah. I, and I apologize if I got M- any of Mr. that Mr. Deepak but I Chopra, that's true. we figured out where you got your information. We're on to you. We're on to you. All right, good. Okay, but it's good stuff uh, no matter where it uh, originated. So memorize this technique because you can use it in so many different places. I use this on uh, Premier Coaching quite a bit when agents have a, a problem or a question about situational things. So. Uh, talking about your beliefs. Well, let's give them, you. Let's read through it, and then yep. let's give them an example. We'll of give a them typical some color. Right. Perfect. Right. Okay. So the four question technique is question number one: Is it true? It meaning whatever you're believing, whatever we're talking about. Is it true? Number two: Can you absolutely know that it's true? So that's kind of a, a little fact checky there. Number three: How do I react? What happens when I believe this thought? And number four: And here's where it hits the road: Who would you be without the thought? In other words, is your belief which is holding you back, making you skeptical, feeling like a victim, actually a real thing? Or is it basically all made up in your head? That's and, awesome. And that's basically, that is what it is. It's it's mostly in your head. And that was what uh, that author's point was, is that these things are all completely made up. But who are we because we believe so wholeheartedly in it? I'll tell you the thing that I see the most with day-to-day agent stuff is they were working with a prospect. They thought they were good. They've had some good communication. The prospect disappears on them for a few days. Okay. So what do they believe? I'm being ghosted. They hate me and they're never going to work with me. I did something wrong. Negative, negative, negative. Right. And so I always go to this and I say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that that's true? 
you're speculating. You're making things up. For all you know, they're, you know, on vacation for the next three days. Or maybe they dropped their cell phone in the pool and they're not communicating with anybody. Why are you making it all about you? So the coaching is keep following up, but don't make up all these stories. They do it when they're negotiating too. They'll have one little morsel that they'll follow from the other side and they'll go, oh, you know, they're just terrible this and terrible that. I don't know why the human nature goes negative so fast, but they do. So when you feel yourself having that reaction, go through the four questions. Is what I'm believing true? Maybe it's about prospecting, right? Yeah, I was just thinking that. So like, I remember when you and I first got into real estate, and this was granted back when people were living in caves. (laughs) Okay, but when we got into real estate, I remember you and I were wanting to learn how to be listing agents. And we knew we were driving, you know, to the office or we were driving to start. Well, there was no Starbucks then. To the coffee shop. (laughs) At least in Columbus, Ohio, there wasn't a Starbucks. But I remember we would drive past for sale by owners. And I Mm -hmm. remember, well, this makes sense to us because there were no coaches when Julie and I got into real estate. There There was basically no organized education to speak of. You guys are spoiled with options, too many options but so you and I had the glimmering uh, idea. Well, let's maybe these Frisbo things. We did. A, there was no internet, so we had to basically just ask questions and other people in our office. And we were with Remax at the time, and we asked agents about the for sale by owners. And the answers we got back, <laughs> had we listened to them, would have basically ruined what could have been our potential, especially in our you know basically our formative years in real estate. So by let me tell you the punchline. We didn't listen to what they say. Um, and we sold over 100 houses our first year in our early 20s when we were effectively right out of college. But when what they did tell us were things like what you guys, well, you know what the funny thing is, is I bet you most people don't even talk about unrepresented owners, Probably not. aka FISBOs. But if they do, it's usually not possible. It's the worst, you know, these are the things that we heard, right? They're the worst list things. They're, They're unmotivated. They're unmotivated. You know, yeah. someone actually told us like, and we'll never forget this because it was actually funny. FISBOs eat their young, you know, <laughs> no. and all these well, excuses. They're the undesirable listings that re- agents won't list because they've got problems you know they're, they're who knows what right all these horrible things that the normal agents were saying about for sale by owners and you know julie and i eventually came to realize that the fizbos for the most part would put that little sign in their front yard and what that really was is a help wanted sign yes that was not you know that's what it was and most of them had no intention whatsoever of you know no real intention of trying to sell it themselves they just didn't know a real estate agent to list it with so we would knock on their door and we didn't have a script we figured it out along the way and the script we have in our premier coaching programs an iteration of that script obviously nowadays it's a hell of a lot better than it was a thousand years ago but that had we listened to the skeptics had we listened to all those people telling us all that mishmash about fizbos we probably wouldn't have sold over 100 houses now we didn't listen to them about expireds either we didn't listen to them about any of the things that they were saying um, because julie and i knew ultimately we had to experience it ourselves to see if indeed what they were telling us was the truth and then we came to realize and this is kind of the funny part is that they themselves were probably not even referencing their own experiences when they were telling us about their bad experiences with a for sale by owner. In other words, they were maybe new when they'd been new, they had had the same, you know, thought process where they were trying to think about what well, should I go after Fizbos? They then asked the agents yeah. that were in their office and those agents then parroted back something that they were told 30 years before. So yes, you guys it's get real it? estate for folklore. That's all it is. Yeah, and then, it's legend. And so here, I'll tell you what broke it for us eventually. And, and there was a guy in our office. His name was Mike Perchetti. <laughs> and Mike would only come into the office in the evening when everybody else was gone. And Mike would sit into in his office. And he is still in real estate. I Googled him. Oh, yeah? He is in Westerville now. Yeah. So and he was fantastic. And Mike would sit. He would dim the lights. I'm not kidding. 
It was very romantic in his in his office, and he had a double office. It was he really had nice. that leather like swivel chair. Yeah, he could have kind of snuggled down into. He would. That's right. He put his feet up, and he'd so start funny. he'd start calling Fizbos. And he we talked about Mike a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, and he was so efficient for sale by owners, and he would let us listen. He didn't care. Mike was fantastic. He would let Julie and I listen, and we'd listen, and we would hear him. He would talk like this. <laughs> Hello, this is Mike Perchetti. And, you know, he called me. He was so good. He was was very polished. And then we wrote down what he said, and he was, you know, everything. And then we started, you know, we weren't directly competing with him for the most part because we weren't in the same marketplace. Um, there were a couple that we did. But, but I remember that even coming up. And he's like, "Don't worry about it. There's enough to go around for everybody." That's right. And and so his he had this uh, he had a, a big new Mercedes Benz, and his plate was Doctor Fizbo. <laughs> but what he did is he would come in after everyone else was gone, and he would do it his work. He, you know, you don't have to have a real estate obvious uh, office. Obviously, you could do this from your house, you, you really anywhere. Um, but the point being, had we listened to the bulk of the agents, they and we would never have actually taken the initiative, and we stumbled across Mike, maybe for. Uh, all of you, we're your Mike Perchetti, and we're convincing you guys to basically don't listen to even your inner skeptic, but certainly the ramifications of everyone else being uh, skeptical. And, and the skeptics were the ones who weren't the ones calling, right? No, So of you're believing somebody else's baloney, basically. Because So remember, one of the definitions of the skeptic is they believe these things, uh, whether they're about themselves or not. They believe other people's stories, right? So, so let's go through this. Let's go. Point number one. All right. Let's say you're thinking about actually being proactive lead generator. You're actually wanting to actually have some skills and you want to focus on uh, attracting sellers to you. That's your goal. So is it the four questions to, to ask yourself? All right. So you're going to ask yourself, take them through with regards to FISBO, Julie. Well, so let's say that you've identified that this might, maybe, because you're still being a skeptic, right? Right. Maybe, maybe. I could work with for sale by owners. So I've heard all this stuff about for sale by owners. They're mean, they're overpriced, they never sell, nobody wants to see them. Is that true? Well, I mean, maybe I'm not experienced enough to know for sure if it's true. So I go to question number two. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Well, maybe you ought to test, check some resources like Mike Porchetti, for example, would be somebody that would say, you or know your what? own experience, or your own experience yeah. versus all the stories and the folklore and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So number three, how do I react? What happens when I believe that FISBOs are really hard to work with? Well, it causes me to not do anything. Who would I be? Question number four, who would I be if I didn't have that thought? If I was actually fearless about it, if I actually believed that, you know what? Maybe that's somebody with a phone number on the sign and gosh, what do I do for a living? I sell homes for a living. So doesn't it make sense that perhaps <laughs> and that, and, I should talk to them? And that FISBO probably is going to want to buy a house and you probably will end up double ending the listing um, you know, that they have for sale. And so the unintended consequences of more positive things entering into your life because you were willing to move past that original inner skeptic, they're going to last you decades versus ignoring the sign when you drive past it. That's right. And you know what I was always amazed about years later? is that uh, our most loyal clients... Fizbos. For sale by owners. And yeah. you know why that is? For, for sale by owners and some of the short sale ones. And I'll tell you why. Because they were very clear that they needed help yep. because they had actually tried it on their own versus you know how many people are dealing with sellers that are aspirationally priced because they know the market's hot and they can do it on their own. Okay, but then as a for sale by owner... Two weeks go by, three weeks go by, all these open houses, it's not working for them. They don't want to spend money on the advertising. And then you go and do things the right way, following the seven-step listing process. So I've got... And and they win. I've got an old-school trivia question for you. Uh I do remember where Mike learned how to uh, hunt Fizbos. Oh. 
I don't remember. Yep, because I remember Rory told us this too. Oh. It's the funniest name. name ever. Ready? What? Sweat hogs. Oh, <laughs> that's right. All good old sweat hogs. Floyd Wickman, right? Oh Wasn't my that gosh. it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. right. It started in the eighties, right? So he had a training program called the Sweat Hogs. We never that's took right. it. But the sweat hogs was basically the, the idea was you're gonna have to you were a hog and you, I'm not even really I, sure. I don't know. I think I it, it needs a better maybe nickname, but but that's what the that's, that's what the right. program it was that's called right. sweat that's hogs. Right. I had to Google that. See that if it's still is around. Hilarious. So point number four though. Who is, would I be without this thought? Well, I might be somebody that just stops overthinking it and picks up the phone. I might be somebody that pops by their open house and actually talks to them. I might be somebody that maybe turns this into a really legitimate spoke of income for myself. I might Boy, be that feels better. I might be somebody who's no longer fearful and no or longer skeptical. being held back by being a skeptic. I might be somebody who actually doesn't have to be that person who is essentially, you know, I was going to say cursing, but I will say cursing, cursing yourself to a diminished version of what you could have otherwise accomplished had you detached from the idea, you know, of this your inner skeptic. Have you set had you set yourself free from that? you would have had, and you still could have, a brighter, fuller, richer, amazing life. Because guys, listen, ultimately the emotion that's going to move you past your skepticism is remembering that the highest, truest purpose on all, for all of us on this planet is being of service to other people. And that's really where the ultimate fear slayer comes in, is reminding yourself that that is where you feel the happiest, that is where you feel the most appreciative, is when you're being in service to other people. So disconnect with these fear-based beliefs about yourself, because really guys, they're only true if you let them be true. So Julie, you want to round the bend? Yeah. I mean, I think you can use this in many different areas of life. In the Harris Rules book, I apply this to, you know, running. I, I can easily tell myself, well, I suck at that. I'm not good That's at That's a cardio, good example, right? just in case. They, so why don't you talk about yeah. that? Because you do talk about that yeah. in our book, Harris Rules, which, by the way, continues to be one of the best-selling real estate books. Um, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any place, you know, bookstores, anywhere and everywhere, really. Uh, it's being sold internationally. It's on Audible as well. So get that book, Harris Rules. But Julie gives a really good example in that book about her belief about her ability to actually, believe it or not, run. Yeah, that's right. So I've never been somebody in love with cardio. Wasn't a track star in high school or anything like that. And, you know, I also have had bouts of asthma. So all of this kind of combined to sort of convince me that I sucked at running and I was kind of a complete wheeze bag and I had no endurance and all this. So like every time I look at a treadmill, it's the same thing. It's like, this is not my thing, right? Well, if I apply this, is it true? Well, 23 and me would argue with me. Well, but you didn't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you didn't have the yeah, t- so I here, didn't know at the time. She just referenced something which was funny, but she did that. She only discovered this fairly Afterwards. recently. Yeah, she actually has a very rare genetics, uh, you know, sequence that basically said that she has elite athlete genes. And yes, she puts that. Which in my, is hilarious. She but... puts that in my face all the time. <laughs> yeah, but... Well, but but the point is, you know, knowing that I compare that thought, huh? Well, that's weird. Who am I if I believe that if I actually know that? Because the question is. Is it true? Am I actually a complete cardio wimp wheeze bag? Well, you actually, it got to the point where yeah. you were believing that you had some physical limitations yeah. that were physiological. Right. You and thought you was how it was. I right. just sucked at You're, it. You used to talk about your knees and there's this problem, and that problem. You had every yeah. single limiting belief about yourself. Yeah. And so you had to go through this exercise yourself and ask yourself, is it true? Right. And is can I know that it's absolutely true? Well, maybe. Okay. So how do I react? Well, I... I don't try as hard. I give up too quick. I believe that something bad's going to happen to me. I'm going to have a heart attack when I'm running. All these spinning thoughts, right? But here's the important one. Number four is always the most important part of this process, guys. Who would I be if I lost that thought? If I actually 
believed the opposite. And it wasn't until we started going to Orange Theory and I saw the coaches especially, but some of our other running mates, right, that were actually doing it. Like, I didn't know that a person, other than like if you're being chased by a cheetah or something, could actually run at 12 miles an hour until I saw, and I give this example in the book, uh, one of the coaches doing it. I thought, God, that's weird. People can actually do that. And she's like, not passing out. So then I set goals based on getting into that thought and away from my old thought because I'm not just going to instantly run at 12. But, but you, you, you mentioned you know, But something. I had to go through the process. You yeah. said coaches. You put your environment where you're going to be reinforcing the new behavior. Uh-huh. You're trying to essentially reinforce the idea that you know you need external at least yes. support, if not accountability, That's right. to move forward and move past your own limiting belief. Uh, and then... Well, and so I lost that thought. Who would I be without that thought? In other words, is that belief holding me back? Is it real? Well, as it turns out, it wasn't real. And I'm getting back to my eight-minute mile right now. Yeah. So because I can do that, right? right? But even and this is not something that you work on once and then you're like all all over it, right? I work on this still every time we work out. I still have to go. Okay, I can do this. I can do it. I'm going to incrementally get back to the eight-minute mile. And I have pictures of people running next to me from Orange Theory that I know they could do it. If they can do it, I can do it. And I think that this is something that applies to real estate too, that these guys can sometimes be at a disadvantage. That just like you used our for sale by owner example, if we had simply believed just the first three agents that said FISBOs are terrible that you never want to go after and just believed it and given up, you know, it'd be easy to say, well, this is because this person told me. But we kept on researching it. We talked to people who actually were talking to for sale by owners. And we surrounded ourselves with people who were more uh, more tuned into that. But successful. ultimately, the difference was is we did it and we didn't right. waste a lot we of time. We took the risk. We took the risk. So I have yeah. some fun trivia questions for you. Okay. What was the first year that someone ran the four-minute mile? I don't know. 1950, 1950, 53 or 55. Four-minute mile? Four-minute mile. Oh, crap. Okay. Well, my fastest mile ever, and <laughs> I did it once, and I'll never do it again, was six minutes, 17 seconds. And Which I'll never, is super fast. And I was like, I'm done. I'll I'm never. happy with eight. I peaked. That was yeah, it. That was I'm like three years ago. It. I'm not doing it. But here's the thing. As soon as it was a, a British guy mm-hmm. uh, broke the four-minute mile, after that, the number of people that were able to break the four-minute mile went through the roof. Because they knew they could. Well, because they realized that these expectations. Their inner skeptic who was telling them that no human can run four minutes in a mile or a yeah. mile in four minutes, all of a sudden that was shattered and more, pe- more people started See, doing it. that's my point. That is the yeah. – but that's ultimately what our role is. Right. Our role – because you and I – do not come from pedigreed backgrounds. No. Nope. Fancy degrees or educations or anything that would nothing in, given to us. Anyway, be know. you know, a predetermined of thinking that we would have gotten where we've gotten in life. The one thing that we have always done is Julie and I always take action. And that's the main thing. Sometimes we do course corrections to make sure the direction is in the right direction. But ultimately, that's the well, one thing. We do thing. the work, right? And we do it consistently. And we don't wait around. And and th- again, this is, uh, this is a learned behavior. But the getting around, you know, the pushing past the skeptic. And then we talked about the different ways that fears manifest, where you're just trying to basically always getting ready to get started and making more checklists and plans. And I've got to learn this and I've got to yep. do this, the other thing. We didn't, we knew... Um, and I think really we had the blessing of not having a financial parachute or a financial uh, soft landing. So we were always willing and we never ditched that. And that's one of the common elements I've always seen with that's every true. successful person um, is that they take away, they burn the ships in essence. And some of you guys know what I'm referring to. <laughs> well, well, you know, we do that in coaching too. Again, in the book, in the coaching, if, you know, For us, it was obvious, right? We had student loan debt to pay off. We had all these, you know, we had financial motivation. We did not have a parachute, right? Right. Okay. So for people who have 
you know, let's just say a decent amount of money in the bank and maybe they've got a HELOC they could tap into. So there's not like an immediate, if you wait, if you don't take action today, eh, you know, you'll be okay. So we take care of that very easily to remove that thought and recreate some sense of urgency by taking what you have saved and dividing that into your monthly cash flow. And you can actually, if you did nothing, which, you know, some of you guys struggle with, you can actually put a big X on the calendar when you will actually run out of that savings. Now, for some of you guys, that could be five years from now. That's okay. For some of you, it's like five minutes from now. And you don't have this problem because it's so ever present. But you do have to to treat your motivation on a daily basis as if that were happening. Because if you don't take action, you're falling backwards. You know, you we need to do a series on this because you actually just sparked some interesting ideas. For mm-hmm. example... Um, the belief that you have to essentially work on your mindset before you get into action yeah. has really ruined a lot of people's lives, in my opinion. I agree with that. So we need to show them on a series of podcasts how to do exactly what you just said mm-hmm. and create, force a situation where they have to get into action. Because here's what you guys will discover. Your mindset will follow your actions. Your actions uh, will never follow your mindset. In other words, thinking that you have to work on your mindset and get ready to get started, that's just more clever ways of feeding your fear because that's just another fear... That's just another version of being a procrastinator well, I mean, or a perfectionist. Worked, wouldn't it work pretty fast if that was exactly. true and you wouldn't be spinning for so So we long? need to do some podcasts yeah, podcast we'll so they can create some own ex- their own external motivation, uh, you know, using fear to their advantage opposed to the disadvantage, in yeah, other words. absolutely. So listen, listeners, Julie and I had fun at this podcast. Hopefully you did as well. Go back and listen to our past shows. We've got over 3,000. Um, that you can listen to. Uh, I know some of you, especially during the holidays, you guys will uh, podcast binge and listen to our shows. Um, so look, if you're ready to get started and move forward and uh, join Julie and I's EXP group, please do seriously consider texting me directly at 512-758-0206. Just text me directly, 512-758-0206. Uh, In the meantime, thank you for the honor of being your, um, you know, at least your podcast coaches. And we appreciate the opportunity to be your real coaches one day. And for those of you who are already involved in our coaching programs, the thousands of you, I I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It's our greatest pleasure and our greatest honor to uh, walk this journey with you. And if you guys, look, the bottom line is, is we're entering into 2021. It started today. Today was January 1st. So open your mind to the possibilities of what you wanted to create in the next realistically 15 months. Don't wait three months. Don't let yourself peter out. Don't pay attention to what other agents are doing and what people are saying. Take action. First thing you need to do, if you're not using our 90-day massive action plan, join the free coaching program. Text the word survival to 31996. Just text the word survival to 31996. So Mrs. Harris, very good notes today. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.